Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Everyone, this is Laura Lee Rourke talking to you with the It's Not About Food podcast. And today we're going to be talking about feelings and eating. So the card is the goddess is standing there with her power animal and she is looking up in the air and there's all this food going around and around and around her head. In her body, she has a bunch of symbols of all the feelings that are going on as she's looking at all the food. So what the text says is overeating and undereating are both ways to cope with overwhelming feelings. They can become a tool to calm down, numb the pain, or get away from the feelings. Once we become aware of our overeating or undereating in the moment, We can then look beneath the behaviors at the underlying feelings and explore what might have caused them. So for me, when I read about this card, I know that the name of our books, mine and Carol, Normandy, was it's not about food. We really believe that it looks like you're overeating food that's like not good for you or is not right, or you shouldn't be eating that, or that's too sweet, or not good enough, or whatever. But really, it's not what you're eating. It's what you're eating over. And for me, I used food as a drug. So it calmed me down, or it sped me up, or it knocked me into a coma, (laughs) or whatever. It made me numb. But food really isn't a drug. So I just used it that way. So I was addicted to more of the use of it than the actual thing. But once I was able to become aware of what I was doing, I could see, first of all, if I have a big feeling and I eat a gallon of ice cream, I'm going to feel full and I'm going to feel kind of not so great. My body's not going to feel really good. And then that would be what I would worry about. I would worry about how I didn't feel good about all the ice cream. I wouldn't worry about the feeling that I had at first. So when I was going through my recovery, it's not that I couldn't eat ice cream or even a gallon of ice cream. It's just it wasn't really the match. So when I had a big feeling, the match was to feel the feeling. It wasn't to eat. And once I got that concept, what I was wanting is the match. If I have, if I'm sad, let myself cry. If I'm mad, let myself get angry. If I need to put a boundary down, let myself do that. So I'm so pleased to have my good friend be here with me today to talk about this issue and to give us her hope and strength about the whole thing. Just a wonderful, wonderful woman that B is. It's We're all blessed that she's in the world. So I'll just introduce you, B, and tell me what up with you. What are you doing these days? I'm so grateful to be here with you. So I'm up to 
a few things. I'm guiding some circles of mindfulness and somatic mindfulness at work with everyone with a primary focus on women of color and gender expansive and transgender folks. So that's what I've been up to. And are you still doing your body work? While we're in the pandemic, I'm not able to see clients. So prior to this, I was, and I still continue to see people for pelvic pain, fertility, and digestive issues. Such good work. And working with women who are having problems with all of that, it's just wonderful that you're doing that with them. It can be such a blessing to have somebody that's very compassionate and loving when they're going through this stuff. So let me know in what way or how you come to the idea that overeating and undereating were both ways that you might have coped with feelings. And then how did you work yourself out of that? For me, overeating, since I can remember, I would sneak bags of chips under my bed when I was a teenager. I think I used it a lot because I was lonely. I didn't have a lot of friends. So food was like my best friend. <laughs> Spent I know. a lot of my lonely time together growing up. And then I used food to stuff my feelings when I would get overwhelmed. You know, I had bulimic episodes where I would throw it up because then I would feel so overwhelmed that, oh no, I'm going to get fat because I just overate a bunch of food to stuff my feelings. And then it kind of became sporadic. I mean, actually, the overeating never, as I was growing up, was pretty consistent. I'd go through phases of undereating. I had one partner who was a big fat shamer, and he would make fun of people. And so when I was with him, I sent myself into this spiral of a lot of undereating more than ever. And the bulimia spiraled out quite a bit. And it went back to being, the bulimia was like on and off, but pretty sporadic. And then the overeating was just always just my consistent companion, right? Yes. Yeah. So I would say that the big shift took a while. I really tried to over-spiritualize my relationship. Like I thought I could fix it by thinking positively or something. (laughs) And then I would feel really bad that I couldn't do that. I was like, but I'm such a loving person. I'm such a positive person. Why can't I just turn this off? And that didn't work. So that was really confusing and made me feel worse about myself. But it was still kind of like some sort of manageable, you know. And then I had a really bad breakup with (sighs) a boyfriend that was super devastating. And he was an alcoholic. He was sober. And then he went out. And then I didn't know how to deal with all those feelings and For the first time in my life, I started to not only have the overeating and the bulimia frequency just got really scary Yeah, because I was working with a program that my feelings were coming up 
spiritualizing it wasn't working. So like all those feelings I'd been stuffing by being over positive. Yes. Oh. Was like all coming out and it got really ugly. Mm-hmm. And I was like in my 30s. So this was like embarrassing and awful, right? I was like, what? <laughs> so, yes. So I was in shock that I had all these feelings. I had no idea I had all these feelings. And so the bulimia just, it literally went from once every month or season even to once a week, twice a week. Next thing you knew, I was doing it several times a day. And I know that's not everyone else's story, but I was like, whoa, you know, it was like being stuck on a roller coaster that I didn't even know was in me. Yeah. And I love that phrase over positivity, that if we only have one feeling and that's I'm okay, everything's groovy. And then Underneath it are all the other feelings that, of course, as humans, we all have about every little thing there is. When those kind of break through, all hell does break through. And when you have a coping mechanism that you only use once in a while when you have these big feelings that you don't know what to do with, but then you start having all these feelings, well, the coping mechanism has to really step in. I've heard that story over and over, and it was my own story. As I got more and more scared of my feelings that were coming up and I couldn't control them, the more that part of me would try to control them and smash them down with food and then with bulimia or just crazy exercise, or I'd go to completely overeating to very, very restrictive for a couple of days, like not eat anything. I was just insane walking around. It just took such a toll on my life and the people around me. So how did you work your way out of that part where you see you're losing it with bulimia and your feelings and have to somehow work yourself out of that? How did you do that? I was in a program for growing up around my feelings. And so I joined a different program where they were addressing overeating or disordered eating. And so that helped me for a while. I was able to just kind of like make a commitment. And for the first time, right, I had people to talk to about like having these behaviors because I was having this completely alone up until that time, right? It was just me and me. And I would maybe tell one person, maybe my partner about it, but there was just so much shame. And so for the first time I was listening to all these strangers talking about their feelings and their disordered eating, but I was restricting because it was this plan, right? Oh, you got to stick to the plan. And if you don't stick to the plan, then you're not sober. And that threw me off. And so I did it because I didn't know what else to do. Of course. So it actually worked for the bulimia, but it didn't work for the overeating and emotional eating. It would work for like little whiles, but then I would get into this shame spiral and then I would have problems working with specific people in the group because it was inconsistent or it wasn't a match. (laughs) Yes. So it just became like its own thing of trying to figure it out. And I just wasn't getting answers. And it wasn't until I found you, Laura Lee, (laughs) (laughs) that I finally was like, 
what? You know? Yeah. This is, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It was when I found you at Beyond Hunger and we were sharing an office together. <laughs> well, in his suite. And so my office was down the hall, right? And I was like, hmm, maybe I'll try this Beyond Hunger thing out. And it was just so great. Oh, so great. Just you and the team and talking to people about food in a completely different way and just developing a new relationship with food. I remember one of the topics was, you can eat whatever you want. I was like, what? No way. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Right. And so I gave myself permission to start eating French fries again. And that (sighs) was scary for me. Yes. Because I was that woman in the middle of the night driving through the fast food place getting two large orders of fries. So I was wanting mean I can eat fries again. <laughs> yeah, right. Something else takes over and I have to do it. And I know what you were talking about that I went to a program and I was able to let go of my bulimia, but I could not keep any kind of sobriety around french fries or ice cream or (laughs) chocolate or food really i could do it for a little while but then i would rebel against that i said how did you do this yeah she said i stopped dieting i was like oh my god that is so crazy (laughs) but it was really the truth i had to stop trying to control the food And just feel my feelings. Yes. And that became more important. I mean, it wasn't an overnight thing. It wasn't like we had one conversation and I was good. You know, it was like I had to redevelop a relationship with food because I was eating over my feelings. It wasn't the food. I was just using the food like you were saying. I had to reestablish my relationship with French fries and rice and pasta. I had have these basically conversations with myself. Don't worry, there's going to be more rice. You know, like, (laughs) you you know, there's going to, you can eat like another couple cups of rice tomorrow. (laughs) Yes, yes. So the restriction, the freedom, I did swing the pendulum. I had to kind of just see what was too much and continue to check in and check in and check in. and, And when the feelings were too strong. And I actually developed this feeling of, oh, wait, 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 I'm having these feelings. I'm feeling really anxious right now. So maybe I should just wait a second before I eat. And that was amazing. That's amazing when we can do those little take care. It seems so simple because kids know how to do it pretty easily. (laughs) They have a feeling and they cry or they get mad or they throw things around or they laugh uncontrollably. And then they also eat. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. It's just two separate things. And I really like what you were saying is that I had to learn who I was as an eater. So isn't this interesting? I do like this certain kind of food, but if I eat too much of it, I feel too full or too weird or whatever. But I really love it and it's good for me. So I'm going to eat it, but I'm not going to eat so much. Or this food seems to be fine. It never bothers me at all. So that's like going to be a staple food for me always. Or isn't this weird? You know, there's a lot of different foods that just don't work in my body. They don't work 
morally, they don't work physically, they don't intellectually, they don't work for whatever reason. And that's okay. And I'm not a bad person. If I eat them, I just choose not to, or I choose to. So that's not the point of it anymore. It's like we become our own diet experts just for ourselves, though, because I don't know what anybody else should eat, really, to tell you the truth. I kind of know what to get my dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But they are their own little beings themselves. So sometimes they don't want that food or they don't want a cookie at the bank. And sometimes they do. And there's no way for me to control that. And the other thing that I learned from our groups was about how it happens in spirals that we have emotions and in our life. And that really has protected my mind and my relationship with food. If I eat a big pint of ice cream because I had a breakup, or if I'm stressed out once in a while, it's not the end of the world. And the sobriety police isn't going to come. You know, that was so ridiculous. But I was like, And is it even called a binge if it's just sometimes you eat more, sometimes you eat less? We don't have to put a label on it. Exactly. So I've really let go of those labels and I'm, oh, that's interesting. It'll be more of an observation than self-punishing. I have one too many cookies and I could feel it, but I don't get on my case about it. No, that's like silly. So you had too many cookies. I didn't take care of one. It's going to be okay. (laughs) My my body knows how to do this. It'll digest it and I'll go on. So how did this also change your relationship with your body then? Oh, wow. I stopped weighing myself. I used to weigh myself two times a day and I thought it was normal. And I was like, oh, the first thing that I do when I notice that I'm feeling bad about my body is I will go into loving myself, loving my body. That's my first response. I have this little talk with myself, right? Because the story that I used to tell myself was, oh, if I'm overeating and then I get fatter or whatever, the worry is that nobody's going to love me or the way that I look. That's the end story. And then I would kind of fast forward through the story and I'd be like, you know what? I love my body and I love myself. It's like I've developed this new habit of going there and then remembering that it's not true because if you look over history and you look at people that are in relationships, there are definitely people (laughs) that are like curvy that are in perfectly lovely, complicated, same ugly (laughs) relationships as the skinny people. So I had to retrain myself about that storytelling in myself. Even when I would go online and I would be putting my profile pictures up and stuff like that, I would change the pictures to whatever I look like at the time. (gasps) Wow. If I gained 15 pounds or whatever, I would change my pictures to make sure I look like me at that time. So yeah, I have like an amazing relationship now. I mean, I still feel self-conscious sometimes. And now it's more about, do I feel strong? Does my favorite outfit fit me? It's more like that. It's not about other people. 
Right, exactly. For me, it's sort of like my body is mine. So I felt like I had to change and do all kinds of stuff in order to be loved. But I don't have to do that. And I certainly don't have to do it for myself. I don't have to change my body so that I will love me. I just get to love myself no matter what happens, no matter whether I don't like what I look like or I'm sick or I get old or (laughs) I don't care what happens. I'm going to love myself anyways. And that was not the way that I was raised at all. That was, uh, I don't care what you look like, but you better look good. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah you know. I had this one auntie who would be like have you lost weight she wouldn't even ask me yeah. how I was she would just be like are you still heavy what kind of person <laughs> I don't know. You know so I didn't want to talk to myself that way no and I think that what you're describing is that so many of us have grown up with that just being the natural way that grown-ups talk to us of how you looked instead of who you were. I think it's a big, wonderful thing to claim that back for ourselves, that we actually talk to ourselves in a way that remembers who we are. And then that kind of ripples out to then other people talk to us like that too. Is there any other thing that you want to get out there in the world that you think should be out there for people? It's about making our feelings more important, giving ourselves the gentleness about being with our feelings, being more important than the food. Yeah. And if you were to think about yourself as a little girl somewhere in the world sitting on her bed going, oh, no, I have this auntie and... these people around me saying these things. What would you have thought if somebody had told you what you just said? I think I would have been like, really? Really? Is it okay for me to have feelings? Yeah. I think I would have been nervous and worried. And I would have probably needed some hand-holding and some guidance of how to do that because I got all kinds of stories not to have feelings. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I often think about if somebody had told me what I know now, if somebody had told me that then, how my life would have changed. Maybe I would have had an eating disorder, but maybe it wouldn't have lasted as long (laughs) or something, or I wouldn't have been as sick as I was. I know. I look back at those pictures of myself, those ages that my cousins were telling me I was fat and blah, blah, blah. Uh And I was so adorable. I know. I was so cute. I was, my hips were cute. You know, I was a little bit curvy. Yeah, but I was cute. It was pretty heartbreaking to to look back and see that. I mean, it's your genetic coding to look like you look. And I'm sure that people in your family looked like you look. (laughs) You know, so I don't know. It's such a weird thing. We're supposed to not look like our family or our ancestors, but that's where we get everything from. All of our color of our eyes or our skin or if we're curvy or whatever, it doesn't matter. That's where we're getting it from. We're not going and buying it at Home Depot, you know. (laughs) God, I bought the wrong body. (laughs) Can you read the, just for today, I'm going to do this? 
Sure. Today, I will practice noticing when I am overeating or undereating and ask myself, what am I feeling right now? I will close my eyes and take a few deep breaths, asking myself, where in my body do I feel any sensations? Can I identify any emotions? If so, what might have happened that triggered this feeling? Oh, that's so beautiful. And I appreciate so much you talking today to me and taking time out from being the teacher of these two wonderful little boys that are lucky enough to have you in their life. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you, Laura Lee. You're such a light in this world. I'm so grateful for you. You too, my dear. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.